afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the sixth installment of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Well, here we are, the World Series. It took a lot to get here, as you may have seen, with both World Series teams battling their way through seven-game championship series. The Rays finally beat the Astros in Game 7 after going up three games to nothing to start the series, thanks to some heroics from Randy Rosarena and some incredible fielding displays by both the Rays outfield and their stellar infield. This will be the first World Series appearance for the Rays since 2008, and only their second World Series appearance since the team was created in 1998. On the flip side, the Dodgers came back from a 3-1 series deficit against the Braves by flat out outscoring their opponents before they even had a chance to bat. This is the Dodgers' 21st World Series appearance, going all the way back to 1916, and their third in the past four years. Here are my predictions for the World Series. I believe that the Rays aren't done with their hot streak yet, and are willing to take Game 1 and Game 2 before the Dodgers win Game 3 and 4. The Rays will win Game 5 to take a 3-2 lead in the series, and then the Dodgers will win Game 6, and it'll go to a Game 7 in which the Rays will win an extra innings game. Both teams are so evenly matched and prone to a streak that I feel that this could really happen. Both teams are chock full of fantastic pitchers and even better hitters. Also, wouldn't an extra innings Game 7 be fun? I mean, we haven't had one since 2016, after all. Anyway, let's get on to our topic today and continue on with our Hall of Famer career recaps. Now, if you missed last week's episode, we started part one of this two-part series covering all six of the MLB Hall of Fame players that have all passed away in the past few months. In part one, we talked about the incredible pitching prowess of Tom Seaver, the intimidating hard thrower Bob Gibson, and one of the fastest guys to ever steal a base in the MLB, Lou Brock. Today, however, we're going to be talking about Alkaline, Joe Morgan, and Whitey Ford. So let's start with Mr. Tiger himself, Alkaline. It's pretty impressive for your nickname to replicate the name of an entire franchise, especially one as consistent as the Tigers were in Alkaline's career. Under Kaline, the Tigers never dipped below a 400 win percentage, which led them to two postseason appearances with a World Series win and 15 seasons with a winning record. And pretty impressive stuff for really any baseball team. Alkaline earned this nickname by spending 22 years of his major league career with Detroit. He debuted for the Tigers in 1953 at the age of 18 and stayed with the Tigers all the way to his retirement in 1974 at the age of 39. In these 22 seasons, Kaline racked in lots of awards and some incredible stats. Kaline finished with a 297 career batting average and 3,007 hits more than half of which resulted in an RBI. He was only the 12th player in Major League Baseball history to have over 3,000 hits. The outfielder from Maryland was also the youngest ever player to win a batting title at the age of 20 years old when he hit 340 in 1955. This record, by the way, is still intact, and it really makes me feel 
unaccomplished <laughs> as a 20-year-old. The accolades didn't just stop there, however. In 22 years, Alkaline was an 18-time All-Star and won the Gold Glove 10 times throughout his career, an award that recognized his impeccable 987 career fielding percentage. And although he never actually won it, Klein was considered for the league MVP 14 times and came third in Rookie of the Year voting in 1954. He was eligible for the award in 1954 because he had only played in the last 30 games of the 1953 season, so his rookie contract kind of got expanded to the next season as well. But even in 1953, in those last 30 games, he still hit 250. Klein got his only World Series ring in 1968 when he hit 379 in the postseason with two home runs and eight RBIs. And as I look through all of these stats, I realized something pretty crazy about Al. He had a career 92.8 war, which is 29th best in Major League history. Now, if you're unaware, war stands for wins above replacement. It basically measures a player's value in all facets of the game by deciphering how many more wins he's worth than a replacement level player at his same position. So if there was a minor leaguer or a free agent who could fill his position, he would contribute to 92.8 more wins than that replacement. I mean, no wonder this guy stayed in the league for 22 years. Alkaline earned his spot in the MLB Hall of Fame after receiving 88.3% of the vote in 1980, which was the first year that he was eligible. He became just the 10th player in MLB history to achieve such a feat. To get into the Hall of Fame on your first try. That's ridiculous. Next up, it's time to talk about possibly one of the biggest key contributors in the Cincinnati Reds' Big Red Machine in Joe Morgan. Big Red Machine is the nickname given to the 1970-1979 Reds, who absolutely dominated the baseball world. In the nine-year span, the team averaged 95 wins per season, which was good enough to propel the Reds to six National League West Division titles, four National League pennants, and two World Series titles. On top of Joe Morgan, the team had many other big names like Johnny Bench, Tony Perez, Pete Rose, Dave Concepcion, and Ken Griffey. Joe Morgan actually played for five MLB teams during his 22-year career, including a 10-year stint with the Houston Astros, but he's definitely best known for his work with the Reds. Morgan was known for his absolutely electric bat and his run production so much that often pitchers did everything they could to try and pitch around him. He led the MLB four times in walks, finishing fifth on the all-times walks list. Walking him wasn't too bad of an idea either. Morgan has a career batting average of 271 with 2,527 hits, 268 home runs, and 1,133 runs batted in. One of the craziest things about Morgan is he was crazy efficient on the base paths. Joe stole 689 bases during his career, 
and was only caught 162 times. That's a 80.96% stolen base percentage. He actually led the league three times in stolen base percentage, one of which saw Morgan steal bases 90% of the time. So 90% of the time that he would try to steal a base, he would make it. So not only was he a crazy consistent hitter, but a pretty celebrated and efficient base stealer as well. And if you thought that Alkaline had an impressive war value, Joe Morgan had a 100.5 war. There are only 32 players in the history of the MLB that have ever gotten above a 100 war in their career, and he's one of them. Some of Joe's other awards include a Silver Slugger in 1982 at the age of 38, two Major League Player of the Year awards, 10 All-Star appearances, five Gold Glove awards, one All-Star MVP, and two MLB MVP awards, and to cap it all off, two World Series rings. Joe Morgan, the 5'7 inch second baseman, showed that you didn't have to be a big and tall guy to play baseball at a professional level. I'm sure he helped to inspire players really around the world, like Jose Altuve, by just playing for the love of the game and, frankly, doing it extremely well. Joe Morgan was voted into the MLB Hall of Fame in 1990 with 81.8% of the vote. Joe never stayed far from baseball, however, even after he retired. From 1988 to 1989, Joe Morgan served as an announcer for ABC, where he called Monday and Thursday night baseball games with big names in broadcasting like Al Michaels and Jim Palmer, as well as Bob Costas and Bob Euchre from 1994 to 2000 in his stint with NBC Sports. He then went to ESPN where he would call a lot of baseball games, as well as broadcast for Sunday Night Baseball. He even called a Little League World Series and was a broadcaster in the MLB 2K video game series twice. So, not only was Joe Morgan an incredible, celebrated baseball player, but he was also an award-winning broadcaster as well. Joe ended up winning two Sports Emmy Awards during his broadcast career, and really just added on to his already overflowing trophy case. Finally, it's time to talk about the legend of Whitey Ford. Now, Whitey Ford was a pitcher for the New York Yankees his entire 18 years in the MLB. Well, 16 if you take away the two years that he fought in the Korean War. Whitey Ford, just like Alkaline, also had a nickname. His nickname, the Chairman of the Board, was given to him by his manager, Casey Stengel, because Stengel always saved Whitey to pitch in big games due to his ability to withstand high-pressure situations and stay calm while being in complete control of the situation. Ford was an incredible pitcher like no one had ever seen because he did just that, but consistently. Ford ended his baseball career with a 275 lifetime ERA and the fourth highest win-loss percentage in the history of baseball had a 69.01 win percentage, coming out of 236 wins and a 106 loss record. 
I mean seriously, the worst season that Whitey ever threw, ERA-wise at least, was a 324 season. Now, if you don't know, that's still a knockout ERA by the standards of baseball nowadays. I mean, that's still absolutely incredible. If you have a pitcher on your team that's throwing 324, he's still a starter. He's still going to be in that rotation pretty consistently. Whitey Ford had 1,956 total strikeouts during his career in the 3,107.1 innings that he pitched in. Now, remember how I said that Whitey got his chairman nickname? Well, his postseason stats, the biggest games that he would ever play in, he was incredibly consistent. Whitey Ford pitched in 18 World Series games with a 10-8 record. However, he carried a 2.71 ERA through all 18 of those games, striking out 94, which is about 5 strikeouts per game. And he only allowed 8 home runs in those 18 games. That's not bad for pitching 146 innings in the postseason. He was so consistent in the playoffs, in fact, that he finished his career with 6. 6 World Series rings! that he won either year after year or every other year for about 10 years. Not only that, but Ford was named the World Series MVP in 1961 when he went 2-0 with a zero ERA. That's right, Ford did not allow a single run in any of his starts, throwing a complete game in 14 innings for his fifth ring. The crazy thing about that is, is that that one season wasn't just a fluke. He had three postseasons where he finished with a zero ERA. He was often untouchable in the postseason. Along with his six World Series rings and World Series MVP honors, he had 10 All-Star appearances and two ERA titles, as well as a Cy Young Award, which he was in the running for twice. Ford came in second for Rookie of the Year voting and was considered for an MVP award nine times. I think it would be really interesting to see what more he would have achieved if it wasn't for that two-year hiatus that he took to go and fight in the Korean War. Ford was selected to the MLB Hall of Fame after earning 77.8% of the votes in 1974. Well, there we go. That's all six Hall of Famers and their incredible illustrious careers. It's been a lot of fun reliving the careers of these players. It's been a lot of fun reliving the careers that these players have gone through and reading stories about their time in the major leagues. I mean, most of these players, I had only really known a little bit. But after these last two episodes, it doesn't cease to amaze me just how good every single one of these guys were. I mean, it's incredible that anyone can achieve the things that these guys did. One thing that really struck with me, however, is the amount of modern-day players that are quietly encroaching on these records and achievements. Hey, maybe someday I'll be talking about the illustrious and utterly amazing careers of modern-day players once they retire. It should be pretty interesting to see the ones that stick out above the rest. So in next week's episode, I'll be talking about some weird funny, and really just flat-out crazy rules that the MLB has seen throughout its history. 
I'll try and simplify the mechanics behind a Bach, explain the complex conditions of an infield fly rule, along with obstruction calls and other quirky rules like that. Thank you for listening. Thank you.